I'm Jim Minns and you're listening to Minimal. My guest this week is Misha Zielinski, uh, who's a friend of mine. He's a podcaster. He runs the Diplomates uh, Geopolitical Chinwag podcast, which is a podcast I produce for him. He's on the ground in Kiev, in Ukraine. Uh, uh, I spoke to him on Friday the 25th of February. It was 3 a.m. his time, quarter to three in the morning. There was fears of a Russian uh, strike that would be imminent, so I had to limit my time as much as possible with him. Uh, as you can tell by the conversation, he quite clearly hasn't slept in a, in a while, and that's very understandable considering the circumstances. Wishing him all the best. I uh, hope to see him on home soil soon. Here's my chat with Misha Zelinsky on the ground of Kiev, Ukraine. Misha, are you there? Yeah, mate, how are you? Mate, how are you? Oh, mate, I am very exhausted and wired. It is uh, 2.45 a.m. here in Kiev. Um, mate, there's reports that the Russians are going to bomb Kiev at 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. and God knows when. So it's uh, it's a wild time to be here, mate. I haven't slept really. I can't sleep. Uh, but uh, it's a thrilling thing as well, all right? It's incredible to be here with all this going on, but it's heartbreaking as well. Um you know, to be this close, like, you know, I've spent, I've only been here a week and yet I feel I've been here a lifetime, but the first few days here were just so inspired by uh, the Ukrainian people, the city of Kiev, they're just such a beautiful, lovely, vibrant place that a maniac wants to destroy, it breaks your heart and, you know, I've got the, uh, you know, the, the opportunity to leave, right? I can leave, they can't, and that's the thing that hurts most, mate. So, uh, yeah. You've, you've reported that you've got some friends on the ground there. Uh, are they looked after? Are they safe at the moment? Mate, uh, people see, obviously, Kiev's a little bit like, say, Sydney, right? I mean, I'm from the Gong. You know, people move to Sydney to, you know, from Newcastle, Sydney, and other parts, you know, people move into a big city, right? But they're not, they're not all from there. Um, and so people are kind of rushing back to their small towns and, you know, other parts of the country to be with their family. Mm. And I'm like, is that safe? Like, should you be driving? I mean, like, the Russians are everywhere, and they're like, oh, I've got to see my family. So, I mean, I understand why. I mean, I wrote today in the City Morning Herald about a good friend of mine, I've known her for a long time, and she is trapped. She, she went to Turkey for work. She's trapped in Latvia now. Her cat, she's in tears. Her cat, is in her apartment. No one can get in. And her family is 70 kilometres from the border with Russia. Mm. You know, the you know, grandparents, younger brother, and like, one of life's little ironies, right, where I was texting her for weeks saying, you know, how, is everything okay? She was laughing at me, laughing at me. We'd have lunch here. Mm. Um, and this amazing Ukrainian restaurant called the Barricade, Last Barricade, which is this famous restaurant. It's like a, speakeasy type thing you go through this secret entrance and there's a history tour and all that and then you go through a secret wall on a conveyor belt behind a chair it's like kind of basically like a James Bond thing mm. you go to this restaurant so really cool anyway so we're laughing there and now she's not in Ukraine and I'm in Ukraine mm. <laughs> well, it's been fun it's been attacked. So, Mate, what, what, yeah. what was the change? I mean, you were there a week ago filing videos on Instagram and Twitter and, and people were out and, and were curious to, to see what the what, what the pulse was of the city because, you know, it, it was almost like a, 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 
a friendly sort of demonstration of people of group of gatherings of people in the street. You know, right. That mood has dissipated, I imagine. Oh, well, completely. I mean, there's one reason for that: Vladimir Putin. Um, so people here have been incredibly stoic, and they've been sort of studied. You know, there's been a studied ignorance, or you know, of Vladimir Putin and his sort of ongoing rhetoric, and partly because they, you know, didn't want to believe it. Yeah, call that willful blindness, call it stoicism, whatever you want to call it. You know, there's been a complete scepticism of it. And there's also, it's important to remember, this has been going on for eight years. You know, we just passed the eight-year anniversary of when Yanukovych fled um, during the Maiden Revolution and protests in the 22nd of February 2014. Mm. So, you know, that was shortly after Putin annexes Crimea. He starts two wars in the Donbass regions in Luhansk and Donetsk. And so, you know, people kind of are, you know, priced in, right? You've got to get on with your life. You can't be, you know, you know, defensive crouch for eight years. So everyone's just getting on with their lives and living their lives and hoping for the best. And of course, Monday night you get this just absolutely um, belligerent speech from uh, Vladimir Putin. And frankly, mate, um, I'll look back on that moment. I knew then. I watched that speech and I knew then that bloke was deranged. Mm. And, um, and you weren't dealing with a sort of rational, strategic player. So many people try to portray Putin that he's playing some game of chess. You're actually dealing with a, a sort of a you know egomaniacal psycho who um, believes he's on some kind of sacred mission. Like I, he's been marinating in this narrative. And it's interesting. I've been reflecting on Obama um, in his book. He talks about uh, Putin and how Putin is just constantly. Um, repeating the same grievances about Western expansion of NATO, which arguably could have been a mistake, but just all these things that have happened to Russia, he's got this total grievance mindset, right? Mm. And Obama gets to the point where he just can't deal with him anymore. And it's also in the Chancellor, in the uh, book about Angela Merkel, where she's begging Obama constantly to deal with Putin because he just can't cope with him constantly being on these long, hour-long diatribes, right? Right. He's been marinating and marinating in it, and the end result was what we saw on Monday night, which was, you know, like, dare I say it, Hitler-style kind of ranting. And um, and now he's invaded, you know, Ukraine and you know, invaded it from all sides, not just going to the eastern side as predicted, not just trying to gob off a bit more of the, the sort of the Black Sea Peninsula, but going all out, you know, you essentially... We're in a situation here where, where Kiev, you know, is being assailed from the north, the east, and the south, and largely cut off from the western exit. So you know, it, it is surrounded. Um, so it's it's a you know pretty you know, shocking set of events and and really worrying. And you know, you've got to worry that there's going to be a lot of dead people um, in the not too distant future, and it's scary for for many people, mate. Mate, do you think there was a, there is a sentiment, I mean, I know you're not in Russia, but like, is this sentiment of expansion, of a return to the good old days of, of the bloc countries, is that shared amongst the Russian populace? Well, I mean, look, you know, I've got friends in Russia too, and I talk to them, a lot of them don't really want, you know, especially younger people are not into this narrative, this Putin narrative. Sure. Like they didn't grow up in the Soviet Union, they've got no interest in it. But, totally. Um, and, you know, like, what Vladimir Putin has done to Russia is tragic because it is a great nation. And to have a great nation basically 
um, cut off from the world in the way that it has been, and all because of one bloke's essentially his ego and his view of history. It's tragic because there are people there that are, you know, Russia's got amazing culture, amazing history, amazing mm. capabilities, amazing resources, and for it to be reduced to a kleptocracy run by a few thousand people and um, running a sort of revisionist, revanchist view of the world where, you know, Vladimir Putin believes he's not just the sort of neo-Sarist ruler of Russia, but that he's the neo-Sarist ruler of all Russian people, you know, mm. the so-called Russosphere. And he wants, you know, that, you know, Ukraine is Russia, as he said, you know, Belarus is Russia because once upon a time they were on a map. I mean, it's a nonsense. Like, yeah. you know, you sort of, say, okay, well, right, well, does Greece sort of put in a claim on all those end of the great territories? Do the Mongols make a claim for all, you know, Genghis Khan's right. territories? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, what are we doing? it's a nonsense. Yeah, right? it's yeah. Like that. It's insane, and yet he believes it, right? Or, and then the notion that um, English-speaking, or sorry, Russian speakers are all linked, right? There's, there's plenty of Ukrainians who speak Russian, but they think they're Ukrainian, right? Sure. And it's, you know, it's like saying, well, you speak English, therefore you belong to England. Totally. It's a nonsense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're still the Commonwealth, but we don't identify that way. We're Australian. Yeah. You know, Canadians are the same. Americans, well, we know they're the same. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just a nonsense. And yet that's the sort of crazy thing he's pursuing. And it's all about this sort of, you know, there's some historic truth to it. But the problem he's got, which is that, you know, the first king of um, first king of Russia was a, a Viking, Rurik, who set up the you know the first um, you know, sort of Russo um, uh, headquarters or, or capital in Novgorod, Newtown, and then it was essentially shifted to Kiev, which then became modern Kiev and Rus. And then Kiev was raised to the ground in 1240 when the Mongols rolled through, and that was around the time. So at this time. Moscow's a backwater, right? Mm. And then sort of everything gradually shifted to Moscow and it became the sort of epicenter of kind of Russo, uh, Russo sort of culture. But nevertheless, Ukraine has its own yeah, identity. It has its own language and history. And um, yeah, look, yeah, they're kind of close cousins, right? But that doesn't mean one yeah. belongs to the other. Big deal, yeah. Especially in the modern age. Mate, I, I just, I'm wary of your time. I know it's three minutes to 3 a.m. there on the 20... 20- 5th of February, you were saying that there's there's fears of a bombing raid. I mean, do you need to go? Are, yeah. you, are you in a safe place oh, to give away your no, location? No, 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 I'm safe, mate. I'm, uh, it's, uh, you know, we, we were just doing before, we were down in the um, in the basement a couple of hours ago with all the journos and all the workers. I just wrote about this in City Morning Herald. Yeah. Talking about, you know, getting ready for this bombing raid and there's an expectation of inverted commas activity tonight mm. and um, everyone's um, I mean there's not much you can do right you, I mean that, that's a, it's a really solid uh, really solid uh, hotel basement several stories down it's oh, okay. reinforced you know um, so you know and also all the fixes that we have here you know every journalist has got fixes and security yep most of our XSAS are X, you know, spooks. So um, they're all kind of in place to kind of help you work out what to do and extract, et cetera. So, like, I'm in a good place. I'm okay. not on my own in there. But, right. but, 
something like that. If, if I was in that situation, then I'd be certainly more concerned. Sure. Uh, but, you know, I feel like I'm with all these guys and, you know, I'll get sort of taken out with the tide if that's all we're going to do. But at the moment, everyone's talking about staying. Okay. Um, but, but, mate, I mean, I don't know if we get it. I mean, look, every day is different. I woke up this morning in complete fucking chaos, right? Yeah. Um, people, like 100 missed calls. Yes. You know, report, scattered reports that uh, Kiev has been mi- missile strikes on Kiev. You yeah. know, chaos, chaos, chaos. Editors ringing me going, what's going on? Can you get a yarn? We're worried about a war, blah, blah, blah. Yep. You know, I'd filed just before just to get in anyway, like just because I was on the pump. Yes. And I sprinted outside, scrambling my clothes on, kind of, you know, couldn't find my shoes even though they were right there. Couldn't find my yeah, anything even though they were right there type deal, you know what I, I mean? I get like, it, it yeah. Chaos. Absolutely. Your brain's not... And then I get out of the street and it's all normal. I can't see any smoke anywhere, can't see anything. So then I go around, chat to a few people, get a story together and then gradually over the course of the day, it's more and more sort of intense um, and and more troubling and the reports, you know, know, the Russians are 100 kilometres away or they crossed the border. Now they're 100 kilometres away and Mm -hmm. as you lay here knowing that Russian tanks are rolling towards you, it's something else, man. It is something else. Mate, is there any uh, reports... That you're going to have internet affected or anything like that, there'll be a shut off of, of communications. It is expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point, um, you know, frankly, I'm surprised it kind of hasn't happened already. Yeah, like that's been an expectation for a long time now. Um, yeah, there's not much we can fucking do about that, to be honest. Like we, the Russians do it, they do it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've heard I had a pretty well placed source tell me that. Um, that the Russians had managed to take out the Ukrainian military's essentially their cyber capability, like they'd knocked out their eyes and ears, so to speak. Mm. That was a couple of hours ago, which was a troubling report. Though subsequently, I've seen that they had a really successful victory at a an airfield. Uh, the Ukrainians. So I don't know, mate. It's like they're fighting it out out there, right? And so I sit here and kind of pensively, you know, you hope and you kind of sit here and have pictures of in your head of you know, missiles flying through the air and it's certainly concerning. I mean, especially when Putin's talking pretty darkly about whether or not if the West gets involved, he's sort of hinting at um, you know, nuclear nuclear attacks, which is fucking insane, right? But uh, the guy's mental, as I said before. Mm. Mate, um, there's a lot of uh, people, your friends and family are concerned and they want to hear about you. Do, do I have permission to put this interview up? Yeah, if you lose contact, if we go off cyber, yeah, Throw it out there, and I, you know, I'm sure I'm safe. People, yep. F- you know, future Misha is safe. God I hope. And uh, yeah, I love you all, right? and I'll be, I'll be home. I'll be home. So, but uh, mate, um, yeah, look, man, it's good to chat, and uh, um, uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, doing what I can here, and you know, I think there's a really important stories to be told here. I met with a freedom fighter. Uh, he's in the he's a major in the reservist, and this will be the story on Saturday. My essay, and um, I had to basically run five kilometres out there to go see him, interviewed him, and then I get a message saying, um, "Get back immediately." So I had to run back because I'm worried about what's happening. And um, anyway, he said to me as we were leaving, "He goes, look, make sure that everyone, you guys are telling our stories. It's critical. The information space is critical." We're in the information war, but 
you know, Ukrainian stories need to be told. And, uh, you know, that sort of is really powerful to me. But also just generally, right, what happens here matters, right? If we're going to let dictators just gobble up um, free societies, mm. then where does it end? You know, we saw where it ended in the 30s. Mm-hmm. And uh, no one wants to go down that way, but you know Vladimir Putin. You know, if, if you start knocking off democracies here, then where do you stop? You know, does Xi Jinping say, "Well, I'll take Taiwan"? Does North Korea think you have a crack at South Korea? I mean, you know, it's the sort of thing is it has to be actively resisted. It's not a game, and democracies are fragile and they're important, and we're all unified together and. You know, the young people here, mate, are so amazing. Like, I've just been so struck and taken by the young, amazing, dynamic people in Kiev. Um, they are brilliant, mate. And, you know, they're scared and they want to live their lives. And, you know, when I first got here, one of the first stories I wrote about was um, a, a, a woman serving me talking about it, you know, Kiev and, sorry, Ukraine being like a wishbone. Mm and being pulled from left to right. And uh, if it snaps, she doesn't know which way it'll go. And, you know, Putin has this view of it being this ancient Tsarist Russian empire, but it's not. You know, the Ukrainians themselves are young, dynamic, brilliant people who want to get on with their lives, and that's why they're so desperate to join of the EU. Not so much NATO. NATO's the red herring. They want to be in the EU because they want to be in that, yeah, to be European. Of course. Be, Cosmopolitan, free-thinking yeah. society, young people. Right. In a free-living right. democracy. But so many of them are like, you know, they're brilliant. And so, like, you know, they're starting businesses. They're getting educated like this. And but what do they want to be in, like, Putin's, you know, panic room? Mm. Right? Yeah. You know, like, no one wants to be there. Yeah. Like, and that's essentially what he's doing. He's one big national panic room. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's um, it's awful, and uh, you know, so I, I've I've completely fallen in love with the Ukraine and Ukrainians, and uh, you know, they'll forever have my great admiration. And you know, as I said, I you know, they wrote this today. And, yeah, to spend a week here is to is to fall in love for life, mate. And uh, it is genuinely one of the most amazing places I've been in a particularly amazing point in time. Mm. Uh, so yeah. Well, Misha, um, just wishing you all the best. Uh, I want to let you go. Um, I want to stop recording so I can talk to you offline about a few things. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. For, for, uh, for, the, yep. for the sake of this uh, interview, the podcast, uh, thanks for giving us an update uh, on the ground there. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, mate.